What are you doing? Uh, they were just asking about the family and... She was about to tell us about her super awesome gift! Oh, Mirabel didn't get one. <laughs> is this Pixar or is this... This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear Bing Bong is a sus individual. Please bring honor to us. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, the holiday season is upon us. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, holidays are the time of the year where everyone's heading home for the holidays or at the very least, they're maybe like reconnecting with family members that they haven't seen in a while. Totally. Last Thanksgiving, we did a Patreon episode where we we basically drafted our uh, holiday dinner tables. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, and that was a super fun conversation. So uh, this holiday season, we're, we're going to remove ourselves from the equation. Uh, and we're just going to kind of be a fly on the wall as we talk about the craziest Disney family. Yeah, man. I'm really excited about this one because uh, there's so many uh, stories in the Disney catalog that center around family. And there's always something a little zany, a little different, a little crazy about these families. So I'm excited to dive into it. And here to help us is a returning guest host and a member of my own family. It's my brother, Robbie. Robbie, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey guys. Thank you for having me back. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that our immediate family is necessarily very crazy. I feel like we have a very kind of calm, vanilla, immediate family. Uh, it's when we get a, a, across that realm. It's when we get into that extended, uh, is when the craziness can happen. Do you agree? Do you think that the extended family can get a little crazy? No, 100%. I think, I think we need that extended help in order to get a little, little wild sometimes. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Sometimes we need, we need the instigators for the craziness because the, the immediate Skinner family just doesn't do it. We just can't do it. We, we just have no catalyst. No. <laughs> no, we're too calm about it. We're too calm about it. Um, when we proposed this to you, were there any kind of like Disney families that came to mind right off the bat? Um, did you expect to see anybody on this bracket right right off the top of your head? Um, I think I, it was who I already saw on the bracket. Okay. Um, yeah, but one, I think one family I'm surprised not seeing um, is the Moana family. Oh, interesting. And we'll talk about that. Hold that note. Great. Hold that thought when we get to the Miss the Dance. Um, I'm excited to to break into it. But Chris, of course, before we start talking these crazy families, we got to talk about what we're drinking. What's your spoonful of sugar this week? Hey, well, it's a Saturday morning, fellas. Yes, it is. Good morning, uh, everybody. <laughs> it's a Saturday morning, Mouse Madness Nation. Um, I am not a coffee drinker. Don't do right. it. Don't want to do it. I'm out. I'm, sure. I'm out on coffee. Uh, sure. But I am a tea. I am a tea boy. Uh, and I've been trying to up my tea game lately, trying to branch branch out a little bit. And I got a Harney and Sons fine tea. You can find Harney and Sons at most grocery stores. Got this one at Target. 
This is a black cask bourbon tea. Oh. Smoky black tea with vanilla and caramel. Um, and it's definitely like um it I mean, obviously it's not bourbon, so it doesn't like make your mouth burn, but it definitely <laughs> has that that kind of aftertaste, that smoky aftertaste that's makes it a tea that you just kind of want to take a sip, uh, sure. as opposed to just like chugging it. And it's got some caffeine. The caffeine content according to this can is 40 to 60 milligrams, which feels like a range. I don't know. Yeah. Why can't they hone that in a little bit more? Maybe maybe it's just like based on how long you leave the bag in your mug, but um, it's good. It's solid. I like it. I probably won't get it again after I finish this batch, but I'm drinking it out of uh, my Mary Poppins mug. Uh, And we we are talking about the Banks family today. So looking forward to break them down. Uh, Kyle, what do we got over there? I'm 100% a coffee. <laughs> I, I drink nothing but coffee in the mornings, every single morning. So that's exactly what I've got. I've got a, a coffee here that actually came from our friends, uh, Brendan Uriel. From, mm. uh, they just recently moved up to Seattle. And for my birthday, they sent me down a, a bag of coffee uh, from Queen Anne's Coffee Co. Uh, it's pretty good. It's like a, a kind of like a, a medium to dark roast coffee. Uh, the bag was very plain, so it didn't really describe what it is. But it's the type of coffee that if you have a, a really nice creamer, if you're the creamer kind of person, uh, this would be a great one to put in a little like peppermint creamer into for the holidays. Uh, mm. I just have a vanilla one and it's uh, it's pretty tasty. I have it in my little California adventure mug. I didn't really think to put it in my Mary Poppins one. Also, <laughs> because when I use my Mary Poppins one, it usually has hard alcohol in it. So I think that there's going to be some physical <laughs> reaction when I like bring that to my lips and sip coffee instead. So I went away from that one and, and put it in my California Adventure mug. Nice. Um, Robbie, what are you drinking this morning? I'm with you, Chris. I'm not a coffee guy. I like the taste. Just don't do it in the morning. Um, and I think I finished the trifecta of morning drinks with a little bit of hot cocoa. <laughs> hey. so it's... it's um, and I have it in this mug that is the go away green color from Disney. So I think that's a little bit fitting as well. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, in order to get to these, these 16 just wacko crazy families, uh, we had to choose a demographic to survey. Chris, hit us with it. Who did we survey this time? This has to be my all time favorite demographic, <laughs> not just on this podcast, but just in life in general. Uh, and that is families having holiday meltdowns at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what better place uh, for your family to have some all-time memories, whether they're yep. happy ones or sad ones, uh, yep. than at Disneyland? Uh, it's a high-stress environment, and, and stuff goes down. Uh, it's, it's very plain to see, especially in 2022. Seems like the gloves are coming off a lot these days. I uh, just saw a great video of a woman trying to enter the Alice in Wonderland attraction through the exit line. Uh, she just <laughs> yes. she, she just wasn't having it. She just no. <laughs> did not want to wait in line today. Um, but uh, we tracked down, you know, had the interns walk up after the meltdown had kind of diffused. <laughs> we put them into, into we, da- <laughs> danger's way a little bit. but And, and we said, you know, we, we had them put on their uh, bomb disarming gloves on and, and they went in there and they said, just, I just got a quick question. What is the craziest Disney family? Um, and we've got 16 great Disney families on here. I can't wait to talk about them. But 
Before we talk about those 16, we had a few Disney families that missed the dance. There were certainly no shortage of Disney families because, as you mentioned, Kyle, the idea of family is such a central idea to so much of the stuff that Disney puts out there. Right. Uh, we were taking into account uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Disney Live Action, and Pixar, yeah. uh, pretty much just anything that's not Star Wars or Marvel. I mean, we've got uh, we've got a ton of families, basically, uh, that were in the in the mix. Uh, so a couple for me, the Hamada family from uh, Big Hero 6. You kind of know the, the story of Hero and he loses his brother in a freak science experiment explosion accident. Um, yeah. They have no parents, so they're living with their aunt. But the family element in Big Hero 6 comes out in like the science nerds that Hero ends up kind of becoming friends with. And I think that's kind of a cool statement in, in a lot of these Disney movies is that sometimes family finds you uh, in, in a very unexpected way. So I yeah. like that crazy superhero family. Uh, and then the other one for me is Remy's family in Ratatouille <laughs> because it, it, it explores a very interesting family dynamic uh, that like I know all too well as, as someone who works in sports. It's the famous family member dilemma where maybe right. you have a big family but there's this one family member who has gotten some type of achieved some type of fame and with that uh, a large amount of money and kind of like what that does to a family when one yep. person is successful and, and there's people coming to to you for handouts or, or expecting you to support them and and that, Remy experiences that in Ratatouille when you know he was dismissed at first, but once they realized that, you know, he had all the food, they were like, hey, Remy, man, you got to share. You got to <laughs> share the love a little bit over here. So um, love that dynamic. I would have loved to talk about them more. But alas, Kyle, what are a couple of Miss the Dance families for you? For me, the first one is the Turner family from the Pirates series. Here we go. Um, <laughs> you, you, there's nothing crazier than the dynamic between Will and Elizabeth. First and foremost, Elizabeth taking Will's last name. Uh, before they were even like a thing uh, and just kind of trying to to foreshadow that relationship happening. Uh, the Turner's on Will's side. His dad is part of the crew, part of the ship. Nothing crazier than having a haunted dad. Uh, and then we see later on that like Will sacrifices himself, becomes Davy Jones, can't visit his family except for once every 10 years. And we see in the fifth Pirates movie, uh, the family reunited. They have a kid now, and uh, and he's still being haunted, I guess, by the OG Davy Jones. Uh, it's just a crazy family of of drama, uh, of piracy. You can't get much crazier than that. And the second one for me is, of course, Chris, the Radcliffe family from 101 Dalmatians. Oh, you cannot God, tell me here we go. that yeah. a couple that is willing to take in 101 yeah, yeah. Dalmatian dogs in their London flat is not insane that is just a bonkers move and also like having them all like well they're what they had 12 to begin with and they didn't think to keep them a little safe when they have cruella walking around in her furs and like will actively trying to like buy their puppies and, and you know what she's up to uh the radcliffs are crazy for that they're crazy for taking in all those puppies thinking that they have enough room uh, in the zeitgeist, they end up moving to a farm to enable to to have all of these puppies. They leave they leave their lives to take care of these hundred. That's that feels a little crazy to me. So I'm going to say the Radcliffe's. Uh, Robbie, any families? Uh, you mentioned Moana's family. Uh, Moana's any other ones? 
I think that was mainly it. Um, and I think it kind of comes out of left field, but you got to think about, they were willing to go island to island based off of just faith to find anything <laughs> that they could absolutely find. It, it just seems so extreme. I mean, courageous for sure, but there's got to be a slight amount of crazy to do something like that. Yeah. So it's sort of a homeless family, I guess. Um, <laughs> one, Kyle, one that you and me were talking about also was the Evers family from the Haunted Mansion, <laughs> yes. where like if they weren't crazy before the movie, you can bet your ass they're crazy now because uh, the, the hauntings they experienced there probably uh, have had repercussions uh, that have rippled into the present, and I can't wait for the uh, Haunted Mansion reboot series on Disney Plus. Yeah, for uh, real. The inevitable one. Anyways, um, Kyle, let's talk about our 16 crazy let's Disney families we're here to talk about today. Let's cue that dramatic music, and Kyle, take it away. Feeling super, super crazy are the number one family. It is the Parr family from The Incredibles. Daddy Lynn's children... Check in at the number two spot. From Encanto, it's the family Madrigal. Dead but not forgotten at the number three seed, it's the Riveras from Coco. Bringing honor to the number four seed is the Fa family from Mulan. A family full of baby mamas at the number five seed is Simba's family from The Lion King. Daddy issues for the number six seed, it's the Banks family from Mary Poppins. Overparenting at the number seven seed is the Lee family from Turning Red. Underparenting at the number eight seed is the Darling family from Peter Pan. Not parenting at all at the number nine seed are the Tremaines from Cinderella. Say aloha to the number 10 seed from Lilo and Stitch as the Pelikai family. Roaring at the number 11 seed is the Dunbrock family from Brave. Ain't no mountaintop village high enough for the number 12 seed from the Emperor's New Groove, it's Pacha's family. Playing games at the number 13 seed are the Lightfoots from Onward. Swimming into the 14 spot is the Paguros from Luca. Making no sense at all at the number 15 seed are the Robinsons from Meet the Robinsons. And rounding out the bracket, it ain't over until the number 16 seed sings. <laughs> it's... Ariel's family from The Little Mermaid. Robbie, looking at our field of 16 crazy families here, any early favorites that you look at and you just go, yep, that's crazy. I'm very surprised to see the Robinsons as low as they are. <laughs> they are an absolutely insane family. All right. um, I see big things in their future for this tournament. It's <laughs> great. Kyle, um, I, I think I kicked off the last bracket. Do you want to sure. take the uh, number one matchup here? I would love to. Number one matchup here is the Parr family from The Incredibles versus the uh, Ariel's family uh, from The Little Mermaid. We don't know a ton about Ariel's family. We know that her dad is King Triton, who kind of rules the seas just in general. And whenever you have the patriarch or matriarch of the family that is, that is in charge of a people, of a kingdom, of an entire ocean, that in and of itself is crazy. Like there's there's nothing normal about that. And so you're going to have some sprinkles of crazy that come down just from that power of that one person. And we see that quite a bit here on this bracket. But specifically with 
Ariel's family because it is absolutely bonkers that Triton has an entire introduction ceremony to himself in which his daughters sing about him. It is so crazy. Uh, he has seven daughters. He's got Atina, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista, Adrina, and Ariel. Uh, and Ariel is, of course, the one that is missing when we first are introduced to the family as a whole. And we don't really see any more of the sisters in the film, in that first film. Yeah. I know that they like show up later on in like that Disney Channel series that happened when we were super young. Uh, I'm sure that in some of the spinoffs, uh, sequels straight to VHS that we get a little bit more of them. Uh, but let's be no, none of us have seen that. So we're, no. we're really <laughs> focusing on that first film. Triton's a nut job, bro. Triton is crazy. And we see crazy parents again and again on this bracket because Disney really wants the audience to sympathize with the main character. And there's nothing easier to do than to make their parents seem overbearing or straight up crazy. Now, Triton doesn't just try and punish Ariel. He tries to destroy her life. <laughs> like, he like physically tries to destroy her life. And when he finds out that she went up to the surface to save Eric uh, when the storm was happening and he went overboard and she's singing about him and she has that famous I'm 16 line uh, as if she's an adult. Daddy, I love him. He goes absolutely bonkers and physically destroys her little cave of wonders that she's collected. Uh, that's like so extreme in like the punishment that like if your parent can't control their own rate internal rage that they lash out like that that's crazy that sure. is crazy yeah uh and and like of course everything that we say here on this show is gonna be very tongue-in-cheek uh because obviously like we don't want to promote any sort of like familial domestic violence like at all but trying going bonkers is absolutely insane uh so he kind of leads to that craziness that makes Ariel crazy. Like she's been driven to want to get out of her situation so bad that she's like, bro, I'll give up my voice. I will go up to, to this place I've never been. I will lose my fit. I will leave my family uh, to go find something better for me. And that's crazy uh, because at the end of the day, like family's going to be all that you got. And she realizes that at the end, kind of. I mean, she still gets the dude and ends up marrying him and staying there forgives her dad. Dad comes around to it. Um, but this family is just so dysfunctional from the very get-go that you can already assume that life outside of this film is filled with craziness. Yes. The Parr family. When the Parr family, the Madrigals, when you have a family in which each person has their own issue, their own power literally here, um, there's nothing but craziness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have two parents who are in each respective movie kind of self-absorbed into their own world and egos that they kind of let their families fall by the wayside. Right. Uh, in the second movie, it's Mrs. Incredible having her moment and Bob trying to prove that he can do the parenting thing. And when those egos happen, when they're out to try and prove themselves instead of prove the worth of the family, then there's only going to be chaos that ensues. Um, you have Jack-Jack the baby, who is probably the craziest Disney baby that has ever existed. 
uh, that not only acts like a pure baby, but his powers are so insane that he can only be crazy. There's not a calm Jack Jack moment except when he's with Edna Mode because she understands him, right? Um, you have a, a pubescent teen in Violet, so she's going to be nuts. And from the first movie to the second movie, she's all she is is emotional and going a little bit insane. And then you have Dash, who is the the hyperactive kid, literally with his powers, uh, who cannot sit still, who is only antagonizing every situation. And there's just not really a calm moment in any of these films uh, at all with this family because they are just wrapped up in the craziness. And what makes them a little bit crazier for me than with the the Triton family is that the Triton family, we we have to infer a lot. We don't get to see a right. lot of the craziness. Yeah. We don't get to see a lot of how Triton actually cares for his family. But we get to see the inner workings and the dynamics of the Parr family through two full movies. Uh, and it's consistently crazy. Uh, they do, there's not a beat in which it's not insane. And they, that they don't put themselves into situations that are uh, not crazy. So I'm going to go with the one seed here. Uh, I think that, you know, when we're talking about crazy, crazy is very much like a catch-all term totally. for like a lot right. of different things when, when you're talking about family. And I think crazy is not necessarily a bad thing in every no. situation. And, you know, crazy is different to different people. But I think I'm going to enjoy teasing out different kind of adjectives that fit into this crazy catch-all. And Kyle, you you mentioned one of them. I guess you didn't really articulate the word itself, but like, you know, busy or like active yeah. uh, when yeah. you're talking about The Incredibles. And there's really not a whole lot of moments of stillness. Right. Uh, and so when we think about crazy, we think about a family that's always moving, always on the go. There's lots of activity. No one's calm. Um, and, you know, those aren't necessarily bad traits to have as a person or as a family. But I think just collectively, when we think crazy, we that's kind of what we think about. Sure. Um, the I 100% agree with what you say about not really getting to see the family dynamic enough in The Little Mermaid to really make a good judgment on what Ariel's family is like as a whole. Would love to see some more between Ariel and the sisters because I yeah. imagine yeah. her being the youngest sister in this family of performers is hell. <laughs> um, it has to be. And, uh, and so I don't even really off the top of my head remember if they even like remark on Ariel not showing up for like the performance uh, or anything. I think they just kind of, the scene happens and then it's over. So would love to see more of that. Uh, I think if we were talking about like craziest Disney parent, like you said, Triton is up there. Yeah. Um, and so in a lot of ways, yes, a crazy family trickles down from a crazy parent. Uh, sure. and, and like power dynamics are really important in a family. And I think there is an imbalance of power in a crazy family. Um, whether it's a situation like in The Little Mermaid where one parent tends to kind of want to control everything or even in a situation like The Incredibles where it seems like the parents don't very, very have a very strong grasp on, uh, you know, control over their children. Right. So I would love to see, to see more of it. At the end of the day, The Little Mermaid and Ariel's crazy family is kind of just the motivation for her to go on her individual adventure. Sure. Whereas the Incredibles and the Incredibles two, like you say, 
the family is the movie. And like, yes. that's why they're the number one seat on this bracket is not, not, are, not only are they a crazy family, but they're a great Disney family and a memorable one because, you know, at the end of the movies, their identity is, is wrapped up in each other. You know, like totally. there, there's remove one incredible and they're no longer the same family that we know and love. And, you know, we often think about these characters um, as family members. Yep. Uh, uh, Bob Parr isn't just a superhero, like he's a superhero father. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely think they're, they're stronger characters. They have a, a stronger, uh, more fleshed out dynamic. So I have them advancing over uh, Ariel's family. Robbie, do you agree with that take? I, I do. I, the only issue I have with the Incredibles is that they're modeled after just the stereotypical 1950s family, you know, sure. family of five. And the kids, you know, you have ADHD kid. He's, he's going crazy. <laughs> you have the wild baby that most families have. And then you have the daughter that's slightly emotional, right? Like it's just so stereotypical, but I do agree. A lot of their traits come together and they do have a lot of crazy moments. So I think it's the right choice for this. All right, next matchup is number eight, the Darlings from Peter Pan versus number nine, the Tremaines from Cinderella. So to break down the the family members that we know uh, in the Darling family, in Peter Pan at least, I know there's like other Peter Pans where like <laughs> Wendy ends up having like kids and like a husband or something, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and pretend that doesn't really exist for this conversation. Um, George and Mary, Darling, are the parents. Yep. of the Darling family. Uh, and yep. then you've got Wendy, John, and Michael, who are the children. And then uh, Nana, who is the dog slash babysitter, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of it. You know, it's really a, a small family. Uh, so many of these other families uh, get, get very extended and you bring in aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. But the Darling's a very much kind of a core unit. Um, and we honestly don't get to see a lot of the parents. Uh, no. George and Mary, the movie starts off, they're about to go out on date night. Looks like maybe the opera, a show, dinner, something like that. And they're basically like, all right, kids, uh, you're chilling up here in the nursery. The dog's going to watch you and uh, we, we outie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've talked about it before, how that's not a very smart parenting decision. Um, <laughs> but again, like that stuff like that trickles down to the rest of the family uh, I don't think you would find any anyone uh, who's reasonable that would say, "Yeah, you know what? I think that's I think that's fine. Like, I'll I'll give them a pass for letting the dog babysit the children. That's right. <laughs> that's that's grounds for having the children removed uh, from the custody that's of exactly the parents." <laughs> like, oh, we need like, English CPS. Get over here. Come Save on. the darling children right now. Come on, not cool, guys. Uh, so Wendy, John, and Michael go on this uh, adventure with Peter Pan. Do they do they actually go? Is it in their head? Uh, you know, did they sniff too much fairy dust? We don't know. Yeah. Um. But they they go on this adventure, and and honestly, the Wendy, John, and Michael kind of have a a, a very similar sort of attitude and and reaction to Neverland. Michael is the youngest one, so he's kind of naturally always like lagging behind a little bit. He's a little bit less knowledgeable about the situation, but um, the relationship between these three siblings is not really the focus of the movie very much, um, and and it's more about kind of like Peter Pan and, and Peter Pan's relationship with Wendy and Peter Pan kind of taking these children as a unit through Neverland and going on this adventure with them. Totally. 
Um, so I guess that kind of removes a lot of the evidence we have to, to call them a crazy family. Uh, I think all, all we really have to go off of is the fact that their parents seem to be very neglectful. Uh, totally. It's almost like I wish we could see this family grow up uh, to see how crazy they are now because uh, of that neglect that the parents showed uh, these children in, in, in a young age. Like maybe Absolutely. the, maybe the uh, apple has not fallen yet. The apple is still on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, then we've got the Tremaines. And this is one where you do see some of these uh, crazy dividends pay off. Uh, we talked a lot about Lady Tremaine just on the last episode when we were talking about cold Disney bitches. And yeah. um, I mean, very much like Triton, it's a, it's a trickle down. You have a, you have a parent who is, who is trying to control every single little element of her family life. Uh, she has, shows total disregard for anything that her, her children want. It's, it's really, it's all about her. Um, and like, yeah, the darlings, like, I think that's probably true too, uh, based on their decision to leave the kids at home. But, um, you know, it's really explored in depth in, in Cinderella. <laughs> um, the lengths that she's willing to go to get her way is impressive. Uh, you know, the, the one in particular that we often come back to is, is the dress scene. Uh, when, yep. when Cinderella, who, who is a stepchild, uh, so we've got some kind of like second marriages in the mix that, you know, again, not a bad thing in a family, but does complicate a family dynamic. So therefore crazy complicated i think is what we would consider crazy yeah um and cinderella puts this dress together because lady tremaine said you can't go to the dance if you don't have a dress so cinderella makes her own dress uh and then lady tremaine in in a very very uh shady scheme gets her own biological daughters to do her dirty work and destroy cinderella's dress like so so messed up so messed like up. you're out here uh, uh ruining a child's dreams like let's come on man that's crazy yeah. that's crazy right there um and again it's it's the it's the power dynamic thing uh there is an imbalance of power in this family lady tremaine holds too much power the stepdaughters hold too much power cinderella is completely powerless lucifer the cat holds too much power <laughs> uh, both in this family and in this damn movie man oh, come on come on uh so i i got the tremaines here uh, I think they're just very cruel. Uh, it's an environment I definitely would not want to have any part of. And I think that that's a good gauge uh, for me for a, for a crazy Disney family. Yeah, it's definitely the Tremaines. And I would even say that like, if you put the, the, the cruelness aside, which is crazy, uh, you have just a chaotic household uh, and chaos is, is crazy. And it's not chaos that works in harmony at all. It's chaos that just is so dysfunctional. Uh, from from the daughters, like you you had mentioned, uh, the 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 feeling of the lack of stillness with the with the Parr family. You get that with the Tremaines. Like you get the stillness out of Lady Tremaine because she is so calculated. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's also just laying in bed until she's you also know, like eleven every day. Yeah. Uh, but the the daughters are constantly moving. They are they are constantly just everywhere. They cannot sit still. They are they are very. Yeah, chaotic. They're they're crazy. So, uh, I want to talk more about the Tremaines. I feel like the Peter Pan family we should have been talking about are the Lost Boys because they've kind of right. found their own family, and that is crazy. 
but we're talking about the darlings. They just feel like a a parent couple that does not quite understand. It feels like uh, Wendy's mother understands the kids a little bit more, um, but her dad does not. And that has led to a kind of uh, longing for this Neverland. Uh, the, the kids wanting to go elsewhere where they are understood. Uh, and that's not, I don't think that's necessarily crazy. I think that is just kind of that childlike wonder. So I'm going to agree the Tremaines are going to move on. Uh, Robbie, did you have this 9-8 eight, eight upset? I, I did. And it's, it's purely because if you have to have a fairy godmother sent to you to save <laughs> you from this family, I think that's a clear indication that something's going wrong within the family. So great choice with this pick. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this next one, which is the number four, the Fa family. Uh, from Mulan versus the number 13, the Lightfoots from Onward. And man, I am, uh, every time we, we've got some sort of aspect of Onward on a bracket, I just dread it. <laughs> I just dread it. I don't, it's like a, a story in a film that I never necessarily want to revisit. And so every time that I do, I feel like I have to re-educate myself on like what this movie was even about. Yeah. Uh, and, and who these people were. So I'm going to start with the Lightfoots. Um, you have this elf family in this m- mystical world, this extremely mystical world. And it, and, and that's what kind of complicates this a little bit right. is that like they, to us, this place is already crazy. You're right. Um, and it, it already feels crazy. It already feels chaotic. It already feels bizarre. Uh, and so when you have a family existing in it, it's how do you kind of compare them to maybe some of these more relatable um, characters and families? And there's an aspect to the Lightfoots that is, relatable you have this kind of not very confident kid in ian you have this kind of um jock type character in barley um and and these two brothers are on a quest to try and basically like bring their dad fully back to life (laughs) um and that in and of itself is a little crazy but like the crazy part about this entire story is that Dad was really sick when uh, Ian was a kid. And so dad was like, you know, I want to to be able to meet Ian or have Ian at least meet me. Uh, so there's going to be some stipulations. Uh, number one, the kid has to be 16 years old. Number two, he's going to have to cast a spell uh, for me to come back. Uh, and then I will only be able to spend 24 hours. What? If you have if you have the power. To bring yourself back, why are there these stipulations in order to make it happen? Like, you should just be able to bring yourself back for, a, you know, even if it's just a day. Why are you making Ian do it? You have, you have a fully capable wife to do it. Like, it's not like only Ian will be able to see you. The whole family will. It, it just feels like that is just such a crazy way to go about it. And I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, and that, of course, leads to the craziness in which we only have half a dad for the entire film. <laughs> you only have dad's legs. He's just a pair of pants. He's just a pair of pants. Uh, so the Lightfoots are a fairly, like, it feels like a relatable brother dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you get this kind of, like, end morale, which is like, oh, f- you know, family doesn't have to have all of the equal parts. Like, you're, you can have you can find parental figures in just about anybody uh including ian finding that in barley and barley really serving as the father figure the entire time 
Uh, and I, I like that. I like that story. I like that Barley really gets Ian into situations that are crazier than they need to be. Uh, that's an important part is is taking the road that is going to lead cra- to craziness more often. Barley really facilitates that. Um, but overall, like this, I don't know, this family is, um, I, I mean, I just don't like this family. I don't like this movie. Um, the Fa family. There we this is another family where we get, I think, like just enough to hmm. understand the dynamics. Um, you have this like very respected war hero dad, uh, and this mother who's trying to just play by society's rules, whether she really agrees with them or not. Uh, she's kind of just going with it because that's how tradition has gone. Uh, you have Mulan who doesn't want to necessarily fit into tra- into tradition. Uh, and then you have the quirky, crazy grandma. Um, and quirky, crazy grandma is really what who holds down that craziness for this family outside of the other family members that we meet who are the ancestors. And I right. think that it's important to bring them into this family picture as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have uh, number one, like off the top. I'm not I'm, I'm not harping on traditions. I'm not saying that cultural practices are are wrong. It, these are all kind of just. <laughs> culture by culture but pimping out your daughter for marriage is a little, feels a little bit crazy am i right like it feels a little bit crazy to send your daughter to etiquette school so that she can get married off i, uh, I don't know I, I would say from the perspective of uh, an american young right. adult living in 2022 that would be nice. considered crazy uh <laughs> you know by the average person yes isn't that crazy they're just trying to do good by the daughter at the end of the day. Sure. It's I don't think there's malicious intent, but the practice of that uh sure. from a twenty twenty two uh <laughs> oh, yeah. eyes. It it, it adds an element of pressure yes. uh to right. to not just Mulan, but but to the family as well. You know, yeah. and, and that causes tension and that causes stress and that causes un, un, unpredictable things to happen, which is that's that's crazy. So Yes. That That's leads to craziness. True. That that tension leads to that craziness and leads to a moment of explosion. And that's really Mulan taking off for the army. Yeah. Um, it's crazy of Mulan to do right. that. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to the I'm not going to war anytime soon. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> really, really. Um, so that in and of itself is crazy. Uh the ancestors. They are just kind of like that judgy extended family that is just like gossiping about mm-hmm. another portion of the family the entire time. Uh, they they come in hot. They come in hot with the opinions. They don't really have faith in Mulan or Mulan's family at all. Um, and they're they're gossiping. They talk about how their children are better than than the others' childrens. And they're, they're one of them says to Mulan's great grandmother, um, th- that one is saying like, you know, my my children never caused trouble. They all became acupuncturists and great grandma says well we can't all be acupuncturists and she's like no your great granddaughter has to become a cross-dresser it's like whoa whoa let's let's <laughs> calm down on slang and the slurs like that huh let's let's take a deep breath it, it, it's that that's that christmas uh yes know, it is hour five conversation at the table when there's already been five glasses of wine yes. down by the family. Someone's going to scream something like that. that. That's oh, yeah. such a like an interesting line to hear now because right. like when this movie was made, like the idea of someone being a cross dresser was like a thing that very common. Yeah. Um, yes. 
that term is retired because it it's just dressing like yeah clothes are just clothes <laughs> like you know Harry Styles I guess is a cross dresser because you know whatever um so it's it's kind of lost its meaning but <laughs> you could see a situation like you said where someone who is that old would still bring it back <laughs> yeah. like it's an insult. Yes. Uh, yes. and just start slinging around and be like, yeah, grandma, we don't really say that anymore. <laughs> like that's not really a real thing. Right. Exactly. And, and it's, it's really that paired with the pressure and tension that leads to this kind of powder keg effect of Mulan dipping for the army to, to try and prove her worth to her family. Uh, that is crazy to me. Uh, it's, it's just crazy that she feels like she has to go to that length to make that happen. So from a very like introspective uh, introspective angle, I feel like the Fa family is just crazier than the Lightfoots as a whole. And I didn't even talk about the crazy evidence of crazy grandma. Just leave, leave the obvious crazy character out. They're still feeling crazier than the Lightfoots. I'm going to go with the Fa family. The Lightfoots uh, have, have one kind of interesting element in the mix that... A lot of these other families don't have, and that is the the stepfather or the stepmother uh, and the relationship that that person has to the hero, in our case, Ian. So the mom, who her name is Laurel Lightfoot, uh, she is dating Colt Bronco. Uh, I don't think that they're like married or, or anything like that. They're just like kind of in a serious relationship. And so... That is one crazy element that I really like is included in here because so much of the like Disney, the end of the Disney movie with the crazy family, like the moral is always like, oh, like we're crazy, but we're a family at the end of the day. So like we might get mad at each other, but we always hug it out and like we're here for each other. Whereas Onward does a really good job of like milking some of that really serious tension in a family where the stakes feel a little bit higher. Like when Mulan gets yelled at by Faju, when he's like, I learned my place. It's time that you learn yours. You get the impression that like, they're probably going to get it figured out. You know, this is obviously before she runs away, but, but you never really get the sense that Mulan is, is gone for good. Uh, She's going to remove herself from this family. Whereas when, Ian interacts with Colt Bronco or vice versa. There is this sense of awkwardness um, that is that is very very like visceral, uh, and it and it's it feels so uncomfortable when you're watching it. Um, and that is crazy because like there are families that you know they're loud and obnoxious and they get at each other's throats, but at the end of the day they still sit down and break bread together. But there are also families where there's people that have real serious drama between them. And it and it strains the entire family, yeah. uh, and and that element exists in in the Lightfoots, not just between Colt Bronco and Ian and Barley, but also between Laurel, the the mother, and Ian and Barley. You know, she has to, you know, move on with her life, but her children maybe don't want her to. So there's some tension there as well. So while this family isn't as big as the Fa family, I really like this this angle that there's some there's some hurt portrayed in the film that's it's very real and also very very crazy i'll go ahead and and, uh point to um i'll be home for christmas starring jonathan taylor thomas (laughs) very very similar plot thread in that movie and like that is a very real thing 
uh, for for a, ch- a child of divorce when the when one of the parents decides to move on, there is some disdain there, or even like you know they might choose sides uh, in a divorce, and you know one parent um, really prefer over the other. So I like that kind of representation uh, in in onward. And Kyle, I think for that reason, I'm going to actually advance uh, the Lightfoots ah. in this situation, <laughs> and like uh, the the deceased uh, parent in the immediate family. Uh, I, I don't think that element necessarily makes for crazy by default, um, but I think that it has caused some craziness in this instance, uh, Barley kind of having to take on the role of the father figure in the family, um, both to Ian, but also to Laurel as well. Uh, you can see that he's kind of having to take on responsibilities he doesn't necessarily want. Uh, and, sure. and, and that element is very crazy to me as well. So. Robbie, you're going to be breaking a tie here. The Foz versus the Lightfoots. Yeah. Well, I, I do think I'm going to play into the expectation here. Um, I, I think I have to give it to the Foz, and mainly because of the ancestors, you see generations of crazy. You get to experience how long this craziness has been. That is very impactful, and you can see it still continues on to this day. Um, and not only that, but their solution to protecting their daughter from war was a small dragon of all things <laughs> here's a small dragon go go out to war so I, I do have to give it to the fall family for this all right next matchup is the number five simba's family from the lion king versus number 12 pacha's family from the emperor's new groove now uh these are those, these are two pretty small families uh we've got simba's family that includes simba his father mufasa his mother sarabi uh, his uncle Scar, and then his eventual wife Nala, and I guess any Simba kids that might emanate therefrom uh, in the Lion King sequels, which I am not familiar with. So, and theoretically, every auntie in the pride, right? Because Mufasa is really just the only male lion, and there's a ton of other lions, and they're all lionesses. So, like that pride is basically the entire Simba family. And and also, uh, I think we can go ahead and add Timon and Pumbaa into this mix as well as like. I think that's fair. I, I it, the Wikipedia article calls them like adopt adoptive parents, but I see them more as like you know the neighbor or like the family friend <laughs> yeah. who's just always around, and yeah. so they're basically like de facto members of the family. They're at every holiday. Uh, they're doing stuff together all the time. They're basically family at that point. Timon, we can start with Timon and Pumbaa. I mean, they add a very interesting dynamic to kind of uh, Simba's upbringing. And Mufasa is this is this very by the book dad. Uh, he's yeah. always out here trying to teach his sons his son lessons, um, and and everything is by the book. It there there is a right and there is a wrong, uh, and even though kind of like the, the concepts that Simba's talking about are very like abstract. And I think there's a lot of gray area naturally when you talk about uh, death and reincarnation, uh, apparently, but he tries to instill this uh, very traditional way of thinking into Simba. Yeah. Uh, which, which can cause craziness. Uh, I don't think that we see in the Lion King one, that relationship come back to confuse Simba. Uh, definitely he, he looks to his father for advice. You know, he feels alone. He, he is often missing that guidance, uh, in adulthood, but I, I don't think he's ever really like, uh, 
his foundation is never really rocked uh, in sure. a way that I think this movie could explore. Uh, you know, obviously Scar is the villain here, um, but the, the conflict is very external. I, I think it could be cool for Scar to kind of uh, get into Simba's head a little bit, you know, mm. and like maybe some of those teachings that Mufasa was throwing out, maybe, maybe they're not true. And right. maybe, maybe, you know, Mufasa's talking about how when we die, we become the cr- the grass and we're reborn as stars or whatever. Like, you know, Scar could have been like, Hey dude, your dad, he's, he's full of it, man. Like, yeah. that's not true. <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we, you know, we all get, uh, inherit our own uh, eternal kingdoms when we die or, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, there's just no real father-son strain there that would, would make me call that relationship crazy. I think the craziest element is, you know, the 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 brother-on-brother rivalry between Mufasa and Scar. Right. And while Scar does do some manipulation in The Lion King to obviously, like, get Simba to think that he accidentally murdered his own father, uh, you know, lure Simba into the trap, it's just, I don't know. It feels like there's something lacking just a little bit. A lot of the, the, the crazy dynamics between Scar and the other members of the Pride is, is kind of inferred. Uh, we don't necessarily see it. Sure. Kind of like how we were talking about uh, Ariel and her family. Pacha's family. Pacha's family, dude. I mean, this... <laughs> you, you take my body and you... <laughs> And you transport me into the world of Emperor's New Groove uh-huh. and into that living room where you have uh, Chicha, who is Pacha's uh-huh. wife, Chaka, who is the little girl, and Tipo, who's a little boy. Yep. I, do, I never want to be there. I want out immediately. Sure. Uh, gut reaction, that's about as crazy as it gets in there. <laughs> uh, not only... You know, do you have two kids who are running around crazy in that they're just very energetic, very loud, uh, doing unpredictable things? Uh, they're, they're jump roping. They're jumping off beds. Yeah. Um, they're, they're climbing over. They're climbing onto their dad as soon as he gets home. But this house is so small. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I think, like, the size of the dwelling is a very underrated element of... <laughs> what we think about when we think about crazy families, because a lot of times that's, th- that is a part of it. You know, like Absolutely. if you're, if you grew up in a house where the roof was missing uh, and it was, ju- there was just a blue tarp over it. Like, how do you think that would make people feel on a daily basis? Probably not too good. They're going to be a little bit irritated. They're going to be agitated. They're going to be sensitive. And then it will just amplify everything that happens in the family. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of, I guess you could go even like the entire opposite, opposite with way with it as well. If you live in such a big house that your family never really sees each other because everyone's got their own little kind of mini (laughs) areas of a mansion, like that might be crazy too, because then you've got the darling situation where like no one's together. So there's, there's no order. It is, it is just like people governing themselves at that point. So I think just like just based on that alone and just like the activity of Pacha's family, I, I have to give it to this family over over Simba's. I think there's certainly some more sinister elements of the dynamics within Simba's family, you know, like an uncle murdering uh, his brother. Like that's I guess you could say that's crazy. 
Um, oh yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you know, when I'm thinking about that kind of pure crazy, that everyday crazy, uh, it's Pacha's family for sure. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But 100%. the like, take murder out of it. The pressure that internal family fighting and conflict puts on a family is insane. And the conflict between Scar and Mufasa reaching a boiling point uh, leads to craziness that spreads beyond the immediate family. Uh, With Mufasa out of the picture, the entire Pride Lands are off balance. And to have that pressure put on Mufasa that then is being put onto Simba, knowing that Simba has to keep that balance one day to put that pressure on a child is insane. And that ultimately, when the boiling point hits, Mufasa or Scar is able to use this like tragic event and apply that kind of pressure onto Simba. Like, you got to get out of here. And Simba being like, I'm not ready. I thought I was ready to be king. But now that it's really happening, I got to get out of here. And he's, we see him keep that kind of mentality. Like, I, they're not, they don't want me. I can't do it when Nala comes back and finds him. Uh, like, that pressure seeped in. And that, that's kind of a crazy thing about being in a family that rules and in a family that the patriarch or the matriarch has to be the leader is that that leadership pressure comes down onto the kids time and time again. And it leads to the kids leaving every single time. Every time. You know, like Moana leaves. Uh, Merida turns her mom into a bear. Uh, Simba dips. Like this pressure is crazy, and so even without the absolute bonkersness that it that is killing your brother to get that power, just that infighting, that pressure that that leads to the infight is so crazy. The Pacha family is chaotic. And I agree with you. It's not a family I would want to go babysit. It is not an environment I would want to be in. It's not a couch I would want to sit on. But that just, that chaos feels normal. Like that chaos feels like two crazy kids who mom is very like, I I think she has the control. Like she understands who her kids are uh, when she goes into their room uh, because the little boy has a nightmare uh, about pacha falling off a cliff and it's what actually happened um she lets them do their little bickering back and forth and she rolls her eyes and is like okay good night and they're like good night mom and they go back to to bickering (laughs) like she has a a hold on this family she understands that like this is just part of being a kid is being a little bit hyper being a little bit being a little bit crazy and she has the a handle on it she's she's capable so i'm gonna go with simba's family robbie you're breaking another tie how you brought up earlier with the life of family, like being the product of where you are, what is crazy in that environment. We're talking about with the Lion King cats and lions and the animal <laughs> kingdom. You can argue that there's not enough murder going on in that family <laughs> and around that family. Therefore, that it's really not that crazy that the brother is trying to kill the other brother for power. That happens. That happens. On top of that, I think that Pacha's family, including an emperor into their household at the status that they are, is putting such a large target on your back that you have to be absolutely insane to do something like that. I am with Chris on this. I'm going with Pacha's <laughs> family 100%. God. 
I was just killed by my own brother here on, <laughs> there we go. on this matchup. Goddamn. All right. Uh, Pacha's family is going to move on. Let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number two, the Madrigals versus the number 15, the Robinsons. And like, it's, there's no contest here that it's the Robinsons for me. Like this is the chaotic crazy. There's no malicious intent. There's no like, uh, killing. There's no like trauma. It is just pure zany and crazy and chaos. Uh, the Madrigals, carry a ton of trauma a lot of it is internalized uh misunderstandings a lot of it is uh having a lot of pressure from grandma which is crazy like grandma the matriarch being able to apply generations of pressure on the family is is nuts um and so we can see these folks and we can be like oh you know louisa is is she's crazy she's crazy strong because she is uh isabella she's crazy pretty because she is like we can pick apart those things, but when I think about like a crazy Disney family, I think I do lean more towards like the infight or the or the chaos more so than I do like the individualist uh, kind of problems. Uh, the family is crazy in the Majigals for like jumping to conclusions and straight up banishing one of their own. Like Bruno and casting him off is like a really crazy thing for a family to do. Um, and so I, I will give them that, but like, dude, the Robinsons, you, we spend about like eight minutes straight of the film being introduced to one crazy character after another. And it just gets more and more bizarre as it goes. Uh, Lewis has been brought into this world by Wilbur. Uh, he was told to, to meet him in the garage and she, he can't find the garage and ends up outside where he meets grandpa. What's grandpa doing? Grandpa is searching for his teeth. And he's looking around and he's digging up holes in the grass of the yard looking for his teeth. So you're like, oh, this is just kind of like a senile, confused old man. Uh, no, he, ha- he knows exactly what's happening. He has a woodchuck living on his arm. First of all, just that description just l- makes you be like, what was this? What was this film? I, like, I couldn't <laughs> like, tell what you. What was this film? Couldn't tell you. Um, but uh, Grandpa is zany. He leads him on this like, search for the garage he can't remember which way to go so he's taking lewis on all these random crazy paths including one that goes through like a toilet and along the way we are introduced to the rest of the family we have aunt billy who is this like scottish woman who is like a tinkerer she she can build things and she's built this toy train that is actually like a life-size train uh that's that's that crazy that's a crazy angle um you have gaston i believe is his name He's like a stunt devil of sorts who is blasting himself out of cannons in the middle of the living room. Crazy. Uncle Joe, who is just this big couch potato dude that is stuck in front of a TV. Uh, Grandpa says that he uh, he works out, but obviously he doesn't. He's just this big blob on a couch. Um, you have Uncle Art, who is a superhero, but he's a superhero del- pizza delivery man. It's a little, that's a little zany. That's a little crazy. Um, you have... Oslo, who is this kind of like flying artist. You have Tallulah, who has this like head hairpiece that is that's like buildings. Don't really quite get her. Um, Fritz, who is this like traumatized husband whose wife is a puppet on his hand. His wife's name is Petunia. And like he's speaking for her. Like you can see his mouth moving and she's she's like berating him. 
But there's this portion where she's like, that's it. I got to get out. And so she, he like has his arm go behind the uh, the wall. And then a car starts up and drives away. <laughs> like <laughs> Crazy. Uh, grandma Lucille is like this grandma disco queen. You have Uncle Spike and Dimitri who are these two like skittish spy like incognito twins that we don't really get to see a whole lot of. And then you have Franny who is Wilbur's mom who has been able to train and conduct an orchestra of frogs to perform songs in another room. Um, this, what's crazy about this family besides their personalities is that it seems to work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there ha- there's not a ton of uh, issues it seems internally and we see like some conflict but it's not because of malicious intent like we see at the other ones it's not because of like applied pressure and, and trauma it's just because this family is full of zany individual characters uh, and like and it works so you know that this is this is a family it's not just a house full of individuals it is a family um, the madrigals like yes the trauma and the pressure that is applied to each individual to live up to the potential of their powers does feel crazy, but I'm going to go the zany crazy Ooh. route here and I'm going to go with the crazy upset of the Robinsons. Wow. Yeah. Um, y'all, it's a rare, it's a rare special day when you get to watch a Disney movie for the first time. <laughs> that you've never sat down and watched through in its entirety. And that was me this morning with Meet the Robinsons. Dang. Man. I had never, ever. What an adventure. Just sat down and be like, I'm going to watch this from beginning to end. I will say this underrated, underrated Disney movie. Shout out to Goob. A, a shout out to, <laughs> to Mike. What's his name? Yagoobian. Mike, yeah. Mike Yagoobian. Yep. A, l- a little close to Mike Yastrzemski for me. <laughs> um, but. I think, I mean, it might just be because I had such low expectations for it. I was like, this movie is going to be so bad. And it, it was bad at times, but the bad moments came and went very quickly. Sure. Uh, so I will, I will give it that. But all in all, like kind of a fun, kind of a fun watch. It definitely didn't feel like a Disney movie. It felt like a weird, uh, you know, a Minions Illumination movie. And you can, you can see that this was, this was like when the 3D Trend yes. was like just starting, and yes. so much of the movie was like, "Whoa, look at this face. shot of like <laughs> the peanut butter cannon like blasting directly at the screen." Uh, it was distracting a lot right. at times, uh, but um, love the love the breakdown of the family members because uh, there's a lot of them. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of family members in both of these families, and I think yes. that like as you expand out your family bubble and like who you consider to be part of your family, it naturally gets crazier because sure. like, that's just the laws of probability. Uh, once, once more people get involved, uh, the crazier and crazier they get. What's interesting though, about both of these families is that like our main character who is kind of like our de facto narrator is like, not really that crazy. Uh, right. and so I have to think about like what would this look like if we were watching Encanto from the perspective of Luisa instead of from the perspective of um you know uh, Mirabelle would it it's like, would it, it's would, Lion King one and a half you're watching it, the Lion King from the perspective of Timon and Pumbaa <laughs> right. right so it's like would the family feel as crazy or like what would 
you know, how would she perceive Mirabelle as being crazy? It's like, oh, it's the crazy woman who's like always worried about the house. I don't know. Uh, or, right. you know, the Robinsons from the perspective of Franny, uh, you know, what's, what would it, would it feel as crazy? I don't know. But um, I think these movies both nail the element of like uh, unique personalities uh, within a family and how when a family gets so big, you often don't know each family member extremely well. You know, when you get into cousins and aunts, uh, and second cousins and stuff like that, you know them, but like you don't really know them. So the way you think about them tends to be reduced to like one element of their personality trait. Uh, sure. So like when you're talking about Billy Robinson, you're like, oh, she's the she's the train lady. Like she just loves trains. Or like, um, you know, Louisa Madrigal, she's the strong one. You know, she's just always out here uh, lifting weights. Uh, you know, I have a cousin who I do know well. Uh, who is it? Who is a fitness guy? Like he's he's huge. He's built like Gaston. Uh, but you know, so much of the way I think about him is like via his fitness adventure and kind of sure. like you know uh, how he perceives himself publicly. So I like that all of these characters in Encanto and Meet the Robinsons are both, you know, they're all quirky. They all have these kind of very distinct um energies about them i i i'm gonna respectfully disagree with what you're saying about the <laughs> the trauma kyle and how you know you don't i mean i know you said like that is that is crazy but when you think about crazy you think about kind of the you know the everyday insanity but i like how Encanto presents you know what i keep saying about this like trickle down effect and how um you know the abuela alma like this is really all all of this craziness that has developed in the family Madrigal, like it all comes down from her and the expectations that she's laid out for her family. Uh, yeah. and, and we see that, you know, what we were talking about with the Fa family as well, you know, Alma and Pedro, they're like the ancestors of sorts. Um, and, and I like the, we don't talk about Bruno element kind of like, yeah. you know, what I liked about the Lightfoots. It's that it's that there's some difficulty in here uh, that we have to navigate and it is ever present and like, and we always feel it. And sometimes we don't, you know, direct directly address it. And it's not present in every conversation, but deep down it's in there. Uh, and one sure. day it's going to come out and, and it's going to come out with a bang. Love the, uh, inclusion of like the men who marry into the family, uh, yep. Augustine, uh, Mirabelle's father and, uh, Felix, uh, Peppa's, Husband, talk about the ultimate hype, man. <laughs> I know, for real. Though. Ladies, get yourself a man like <laughs> Felix uh, Madrigal. Like that, I mean, that dude loves his lady. Yeah, uh, totally. and And I just, I, lo I love to see it. And she's, he's just always hyping her up. It's so cool. Uh, he's definitely like the cool uncle. I um, mean, like, I love uh, Luisa's. Uh, situation kind of being the middle child. I mean, I'm the middle child in my family too, so I can sort of relate to the idea that maybe your older sibling and your younger sibling can be um, a little bit bickery, uh, and you're kind of in the middle, just just trying to like maintain peace uh, for yep. for everyone, but also for yourself as well. Uh, you're just trying to stay even keeled the whole time. Um, and then you've also got some kids, little little kids running around too. You know, you got Antonio who's who's just kind of graduating into being a part of the actual dynamic of the family. You know, they're not just the little one walking around cute, 
uh, let's talk to him like they're, you know, an animal. Uh, he's slowly starting to kind of get the weight of the situation. And so I like him in there as well. I think Kyle, I think I'm going to go with the Madrigals. Okay. Um, I think, I think the, the, the addition of like the music element, this movie starts out with welcome to the family Madrigal, like that makes them a great crazy Disney family for me because just like okay. the Incredibles, like that's, that's the movie. The movie's about them as a family. I guess the Robinsons as well. But um, and then like we don't talk about Bruno. Setting setting that to music is just so good to me. So Robbie, hey, another tie culmination. <laughs> no, no, no. I was praying this will not happen because these are the two best families on the bracket. I, I'm so surprised to see the Robinsons on 16. They they could be number one. Oh, removing removing the Incredibles. Um, when I and when I first stopped the look at the list, I'm like, it's in Cano. Like it has to be, but. You know, they have Bruno living in the walls. Like, when's the last time you had to check? <laughs> when's the last time you had to check your walls to see if your family member's living in there? Uh-huh. That's insane. But this morning, I watched the dinner scene in Meet the Robinsons, and there was not a normal moment in that two-minute clip that I had. No. And that really sets the tone of what's going on in the entire movie. Um, it was the, they were reenacting like the, um, the kung fu scene oh, yeah, <laughs> like their mouths right. it's it's such a just a i i'm sorry i have to go with the robinsons i hate to knock off and cancel but the robinsons are just insane that that uh kung fu parody moment of the movie <laughs> and like again watching it for the first time i i had like an out-of-body experience i was like <laughs> i was like what wh- i get the joke but like is this necessary at <laughs> all like what? what is the whole movie it was like they were just making this up as they were going along and like right. it was someone's first try at writing the movie like, you know it'd be funny as if it was a kung fu thing oh okay. yeah let's do it let's do it let's do it <laughs> anyways uh next matchup we've got the number seven the lee family from turning red versus the pelikai family from lilo and stitch and these are very like polar opposite families because on the one hand you have the lee family from turning red where it is all about control and it is all about uh tradition and living based on the people that came before you and the pelikai family there's there's really only two of them three of them if you count stitch um but it's really just uh lilo and nani uh figuring it out yeah and so they don't have any parents around and you know, obviously, we're, we're familiar with the movie that involves child protection services and Nani having to kind of prove that she can parent uh, her little sister, Lilo. But the Lees, uh, we've got we've got a <laughs> few of them. Uh, we've got May, who is yep. our antagonist. Uh, Jin Lee and Ming Lee are her parents. Yep. Uh, Grandma Wu, if you want to talk about cold... Yeah, for real. Oh, Cold. yes. Grandma Wu, just like the way that she dresses, the way that she talks, the way she walks into a scene. Just like yeah. you can tell that like this is why the family is crazy is just because of this one person. Totally. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just like, you know, what I was saying with the Madrigals where it's a it's a trickle down from the very top. Uh Aunt Aunt Chen and Ping. Mm-hmm. Uh Lily, Helen, and Vivian. I think those are all ants as well. Yeah, those are the aunties. Uh, 
Sun Yi is like the ancestral member of the Lee family who was like the original uh, Red Panda. Right. And so I guess one, the, the one crazy element for me that kind of separates the Lee family from the Fa family, because I think both of these movies are getting at something very similar in that many, in that the experience of a lot of Asian Americans is that trying to navigate tradition and expectation. Uh, and that's a, you know, can be a unique experience that a lot of people don't have. I certainly don't have. Um, yeah. and I'm lucky in that way, but the way that the story kind of exposes the true, uh, background of the family is interesting where Sonyi was the original red panda and she didn't suppress her panda. She, uh, leaned into it, so to speak. And she kind of yeah. let the beast, uh, run free. And that's what May is, is trying to do and what all of her family members are trying to suppress both in her and in themselves. And so I, I don't know if that makes the Lee family feel more crazy to me or less crazy to me. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's like the craziness is saved. Uh, sure. And, and I can't remember the end of the movie, but like where do the ants and the grandma end up with like how they control the red panda? They end up letting May do what she needs to do. Like they've come together and accepted that like May needs to be her own person. She doesn't need to be suppressing it like everybody else. Um, and that comes in that kind of climax of them working together as the red pandas um, for them to, to kind of recognize that she needs to be able to live her own truth. But um, as far as like in themselves, though, do they like like are they still out here suppressing their red pandas or I don't I don't think so. And I think, I, so I think they come to that realization by like releasing that panda that yeah. they they can also be OK with it. Right. Like mm -hmm. they they come out to help save the day as their red panda selves. And that's kind of a that's right, moment. That's right. We don't have like an explicit like and then the aunties never suppressed it again. But you get that sense from that right. moment. Yeah. And so like the other kind of generational element that exists in uh, this movie, which I guess to the movie's benefit, you know, takes place in uh, a Western country, uh, in this case, Canada, right? Uh, yeah, Toronto. May loves uh, Four Town. Yep. And so in a movie like Mulan, we don't necessarily get that like, you know, I'm trying to westernize my taste and like my... Uh, personality and like we get that element with may and kind of like that seemingly innocent choice uh, for a child to make actually can be hurtful uh to to the parents and to her grandparents i think it uh, does her her parents watch like traditional television programming or something like that is that right yeah yep yep uh, they're, they're watching like um chinese programming right <clears throat> Uh, so I think that's a really cool kind of uh, small thing that is actually a really big thing in uh, the Lee family. Uh, the Pelikais, I mean, it's it's really hard for me to like truly call this a family. It's definitely like, a, you know, s siblings, but there's just not enough relationships, not enough pieces uh, for me to advance them over the Lees. I think it's a crazy situation um, yeah. where you have this, person uh, nani who is trying to keep everything together she's certainly in a situation she doesn't want to be in wasn't expecting to be in but like 
has to be in. That is crazy. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think, I think we're missing a lot of the pieces that are in a lot of these other families. So I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Lees. I mean, adding a pet into the equation is always crazy. Like we'll call, <laughs> right, we'll call Stitch right. a pet here. So like, again, yeah. just like a, a house is kind of an external thing that can, that can provoke crazy. I think the pet is definitely an element as well, but regardless, I think it's the Lee family for me here. Yeah. I, I think the Pelicans are in a crazy situation, but I don't think that they're crazy. I think the Lees are crazy. Uh, I'll dive more into the Lee family next time, but I'll, I'll save it. The Lees are definitely moving on there. Uh, Robbie, you seem to be in agreement. Any issues with that movement? Uh, no, not at all. I think the Lee family grandma is a kingpin for a, a Chinese mob. So I think that's totally fair. Let's move on to this next matchup. It's the number three, the Riveras from Coco versus the number 14, the, the Paguros uh, from uh, Luca. These, the, I like these two families. I like this matchup of families because you have kind of that generational aspect that Pixar really started leaning into and that we see time and time again. And Disney has really leaned into recently. And then you have the Luca family which feels a little bit more back to the roots of like a crazy like Incredibles family. Uh, where it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more focused. Everyone has some sort of little zany tweak about it. Um, but the 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 Riveras, you know, the craziest thing besides like the whole element of like uh, the the trauma and the power and the pressure that the grandmother, the living grandmother, has put onto the living family uh, that has all stemmed from a situation, a misunderstanding that great grandma had, great great grandma has had. Um, to kind of set this all off, uh, which is crazy. A misunderstanding that has generational trickle down is insane. Um, is the fact that like it comes down to something as simple as music, which is kind of unavoidable, right? Like she's trying to ban this thing from her family that is just part of every single culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, music is kind of the through line uh, of us as humans, and is a way that we can find common ground and communicate and yet she wants to shut this thing out of the family because she feels like a musician has basically like cursed them or basically has has forced them to almost have this tension that isn't necessary and so she blames that on music and and the the culture of making music and so that's just, it's just crazy that there it went to that extreme we also have her uh have this triton moment right which is crazy she finds out that miguel has been uh, playing music wants to play music storms up to his little attic space and throws all that stuff down onto the ground and and breaks it all up right to force him to to be grounded and come back to reality crazy extremes to make that happen and it all has kind of come from this lack of of kind of communication and talking about it it's been this like story that's been passed down but no one's really talking about how they feel this is just how it's been and so that aspect, which is fairly relatable, like family communication issues, I think are in every single family. Like there, there's some sort of aspect to that. Um, but it does, it does feel pretty crazy. Uh, but I think I'm gonna go with Luca's family. Oh here, wow! Uh, because these fools are crazy, dude. <laughs> like these, there's, there's, they're just nuts. Uh, from the moment that we meet his parents, and sorry, I'm not gonna have any names for these people. I did not look at the names. Um, I, I I got them if you need if you oh, need please, help what, with these. Give me give me mom and dad's name. Uh, Daniela and Lorenzo Paguro. So Daniela 
seems to like want to have control of the family or at least uh, guide the family. And yet she has this, these little sparks of, of craziness. And the one moment that I really like you see it out of nowhere is when she like whips out that dolphin impersonation, like out of nowhere. Like she has this kind of like crazy bone in her. And she's also crazy in the fact that she will do whatever it takes to kind of protect or or keep this family as it is. And for good reason, right? Like the human world hates mermaids and wants to kill them or thinks that they are like sea monsters. And so when Luca goes up to to the surface and is living on the surface and and his parents come looking for him, uh, Daniela is like, all right, we're here. We're, we're now humans, too. We got to we got to figure out which one of these kids are Luca. And she walks into the town square where all of the little kids are playing soccer. And she is marking kids to get them to fall into the water fountain to see if they turn <laughs> into mer people. It is so funny and violent and just crazy uh but it's like that crazy um love almost right like she she wants to bring her kid back and is afraid for luca's safety but it's all mis she's misunderstood like she just doesn't think that luca can can handle that you have grandma who's kind of like that grandma figure in a lot of these disney movies who actually serves as like the wisdom like she's not pushing it on luca that like you know, the surface is actually pretty dope and, and, and like it's going to be fine up there. Uh, but she's trying to relax her her kids, her daughter, her son-in-law to be like, it's OK up here. It's OK up there. Um, and she has a little bursts of craziness as well that comes out. She sleeps with her eyes open. So I'm sorry, but there's nothing crazier <laughs> than somebody that is sleeping with their eyes open. And that is a jump scare moment. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When Luca is like asking grandma, you know, I can't remember what the question he asked. Um, and she she's like laying in bed with her eyes open. And you think that she's going to respond. And then she lets out this violent snore. Jump scared. <laughs> scared me every time I rewatched it. I was like crazy Luca grandma moments. And that's the one that popped up. And it scared me as I was like rewatching it. And then Chris. The craziest uncle of them all. Sure. Uncle Hugo. Yeah. Uh, this man, we've talked about him a lot um, in, what was that bracket? The 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 craziest Pixar character? No, no I think, I think, I think it was like last year in the best of 2021 bracket, probably when we were talking about Luca. I thought, I thought that Ugo was his own seed at one point. Anyways, we, uh, we went in depth about uh, this man uh, and his craziness. He is, quite literally removed from reality because he's living in like the deep dark parts of the ocean and when you're isolated like that that is crazy you are going to go you're gonna go crazy you're going to go crazy and he has he has proven that Uh, he rambles he can't find a a a moment in which he needs to just focus on a subject and he he just kind of starts going off about whale carcasses every time he speaks. (laughs) even crazier yet his heart needs to be punched to be started (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is crazy. And what's crazy is that this family is still a loving unit. Right. Despite all of these personalities and despite all the things that are happening to them, uh, at the end of the day, what connects them is the love for each other. So much so that they are willing to take the crazy leap and let Luca live on land, go to school. Uh, That is a crazy thing for a family who has been so afraid 
of that world to let their son jump into it. Um, so I like that. I'm gonna go with the Paguros over the Rivier- the Riveras here. I uh, we talked about Ugo in the funniest Pixar character Thank bracket. There it is. There it is. Uh, where I said something about Uncle Ugo having a fart attack. Uh, <laughs> I have absolutely no recollection of this bracket whatsoever. But um, I'd imagine he probably got bounced in the first round or something like that. Yeah, I think early. The thing I love about Ugo though is that like. I feel like everyone has an aunt or an uncle that you don't really know what they do. You're right. not, you're not really sure even sometimes where they're living. Uh, they're just kind of removed from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the way it has always been and always will be. Uh, and so uncle Ugo is that in, in, in the Paguro family. It's uh, he shows up once in a while. And when he does, it's memorable because you yeah. know you're you know you're gonna hear some stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely like that about uh, the Paguros. Man, you're down in the Riveras, which is really kind of I, you know when you first said it, I was like, whoa. But you know, thinking about it a little bit, I don't know that you're too far off base. This does feel like one of those families where everyone has a quirk, particularly the like dead Riveras. Uh, a lot yeah. of the living Riveras kind of feel a little bit like they're they don't they didn't really get character traits they're just all kind of like shoemakers that are around yeah Yeah. and like the rivera family is one character as a whole yes um i will say that like mama coco feels distinct and like obviously like grandma paguro uh something that is crazy about both of these characters which creates a crazy family environment is the family member that is near death Right, uh, and you sure. never really know when they're gonna go, uh, <laughs> yeah. so it causes a lot of, uh, you know, tension or just uh, an unexpected sort of situation, you know, yeah. or like a, a question mark, you know, lack of control. The, the The banning of the music is crazy, but that that feels crazy in a way that is just so unrealistic. Uh, it, so on the one hand, it's one of those things where someone's like, oh yeah, my family's crazy. I'll be like, yeah, I have a pretty tall, high tolerance, uh, high threshold for like crazy families. Um, oh no, but like, they're so crazy that my abuelita like won't let us play music because she thinks music's evil, uh, and caused the destruction of our family several generations ago. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, you, you, you got me. I surrender. <laughs> they're pretty sure. crazy. Um, but the, you know, I, I like it. The Paguros feel like if we got more family scenes from Ariel's mm. family, because it right. is a very similar situation where it's the kid wanting to venture outside of the bubble and they know what's good for them, but the parents don't seem to want to, to let go. Um, so it's like the Paguros are like an improvement on that. Um, Kyle, I think you convinced me. Uh, yeah, I think you. I think your argument alone convinced me. Uh, the idea that like the mom is is very controlling, you know, and trying to control the outcomes and uh, yes. and, and murdering children uh, <laughs> with a soccer ball, uh, like she's Henry Kane. Like, let's yeah. go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and advance the Paguros. So down goes Man. Coco, and down go the Riveras. Robbie, are you shocked? Not at all. I think there's a higher concentration in the Paguros of, of just craziness per character. So great call. Pound for pound. Crazier pound family. Pound for pound. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The last matchup. It's number six, Banks family versus number 11, the Dunbrock family. Uh, it's the Dunbrock family. 
uh, for me in the same way that we've talked <laughs> about kind of like generational craziness. Uh, you have this like royalty yeah. element with the Dunbrock family. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the, the, the British Royal family getting Netflix specials out here. Uh, yes. kids moving to the U S being best friends with Oprah. Like this yes. is, this, this hap- like this is a breeding ground for crazy family members, crazy family moments. And, and Merida and her family are no exception. You know, you've got Queen Eleanor, who is very, very concerned with the legacy that her daughter is going to leave and that the, in the path that her daughter is going to walk. You have the daughter that, that don't want to walk it. Right. And to the point where she wants her mom to get turned into a bear so that she doesn't have to deal with <laughs> it anymore. Yes. That's crazy. Like, that is a crazy reaction. Um, but also, you know, the, the expectation is crazy as well. And then you've got King Fergus, who is the father, who, like, he's there, but, like, he's not really there. Like, he, he, his emotional investment in this situation is not nearly enough. Like, he's right. way too busy hanging out with the boys, yeah. <laughs> singing songs about bears, uh, eating yep. turkey legs and drinking beers. And, and like he, he, he is ignoring this very serious situation that is happening under his own nose. And then you've got the triplets involved as well. Harris, Hubert, ah. and Hamish. Like you want to talk about a crazy element to throw into a family. It's twins. How do we make that even crazier? It's triplets. Make them three. Make them three. <laughs> and make them, make them ginger on top of that. And it, <laughs> anything can happen. Y'all. Uh, the, the Banks family, I think the element that kills it for me is that uh, Michael and Jane are, are kind of a package deal. Uh, we don't really get a whole lot of kid-to-kid drama. Um, it's mostly just like we don't really like our dad. And like the mom gets off scot free in this whole sure. movie. Uh, yeah. By the way, like they don't explain their relationship with the mom even a little bit. Uh, I think the one kind of glimmer of Winifred that we get is just the way that she talks to George. Uh, you know, yep. she's very submissive, uh, and like that was normal back then. I think it's crazy now. Uh, but uh, yeah, George is a crazy dude, and the way that he you know wants to control his family activity that is crazy. But family unit as a whole, it's the Dunbrocks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think the banks are that crazy at all. I think that uh, George is crazy and the way that he runs his household is crazy. And the kind of patriarchal pressure that he puts on his family to kind of serve him is crazy by today's standards. Um, but the pure chaos that are the Dunbrocks is absolutely the pick. And the, the extent and the lengths that Merida goes to to free herself from this family is crazy. Turning your, your relatives into something uh, just to avoid them and get away from their pressures and it just shows the craziness of that pressure. It is that royalty thing. I agree with you. Um, Robbie, that we have our Elite Eight here. Uh, were you going to go with the, the Banks or the Dunbrocks? No, even coming in here was the Dunbrocks for me. Um, I, I'm not super familiar with Mary Poppins, but I already know that you would have to try extremely hard to be any more crazier than what the Dunbrocks brought to the table. <laughs> Absolutely. So next time we're going to talk about this Elite Eight, and we, this is a, a messy Elite Eight, and I'm excited <laughs> for it. Uh, we've got the number one, the Parr family from The Incredibles, versus the number eight, the Tremaines from Cinderella. Uh, down the brackets, the number four, the Fa family from Mulan, versus the number 12, uh, Pacha's family from Emperor's New Groove. Across the brackets, number 15, the Robinsons, versus number seven, the Lee family from Turning Red. 
And rounding out that Elite Eight, we just talked about them. So the number 14, the Paguros versus the number 11, the Dunbrocks. Uh, Robbie, thanks for chiming in. Thanks for breaking some tough ties here. We are excited to have you come back for part two. I'm excited. This is going to be a great matchup for the, the next eight. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about these crazy Disney families. Uh, did we miss a crazy Disney family? Do you have a crazy Disney family of your own that you live with on a daily basis? We would love to hear about it. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's gang. We'd love to have you folks. Till next time, folks, let's go fly a kite.